Welcome back to another edition of Sports Business Secrets. My name is Kevin Tarka. I am the founder of Creation Talent Agency, and I will be releasing a new podcast every single day for an entire year that is specifically designed to share the inevitable challenges of the sports business world and how to overcome them. I'm inviting you to join me in real time on my personal journey of representing professional basketball players, traveling the world, and continuously finding ways to battle through the adversity in this competitive industry. The goal is to share as many secrets as I can to help you along your own path to success. Welcome back to another edition of Sports Business Secrets. Today, we're talking with newly appointed head coach of Inter Alia in Israel, A.J. Mitnick. For those who don't know A.J., he has been a professional basketball coach overseas for over a decade. He's a fellow New Jersey brother as he grew up not too far from me in Livingston, New Jersey. And he studied finance in college, but his passion for hoops overshadowed that. And not too long after graduation, he found himself uh, on a coaching staff in Israel. He's made stops at multiple teams in Israel, including Herzliya, Maccabi Tel Aviv, Nesiona. Uh, and we get to hear all about his journey and all of his stops and his new chapter today on the pod. So welcome, AJ. Thanks a lot for having me, Kevin. And uh, it's been a pleasure, uh, you know, keep keeping in touch all these years since you came out to, to finish it, to visit Israel after you finished college. Yep, no doubt, man, no doubt. So uh, when I have my guests on, I like to give them the, the platform just to kind of tell the audience a little bit more about your upbringing and maybe how you started in this world of basketball, and then we can, we can go from there. Yeah, so I mean, like you said, I'm uh, from Livingston, New Jersey originally. I went to uh, the Joseph Kushner Hebrew Academy in Livingston. So, you know, obviously my connection to Israel wasn't really as, you know, random as maybe, you know, most Americans who end up going to play overseas and, you know, pick a random country. You know, I grew up in uh, a Jewish community, you know, was always a big, uh, big basketball fan, you know, played baseball and basketball both uh, pretty seriously, at least for the levels that I was in uh, growing up. Um, you know, my, my coaches always, you know, realized at the beginning of the season, like uh, I just had a big love for the game. Uh, I was always a pretty tall player. Um, I was, uh, you know, four-year starter, was the captain of the varsity team my junior and senior year of high school. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't, I knew pretty early on that I didn't have a, a future as a professional basketball player or even a high level college player that, you know, let's say my level at best was I could have walked on to a division three college. Um, so I kind of realized early on um, that I'm going to need to, you know, if I want to continue this passion of mine, I'm going to need to do it in a, a form other than being a player. Um, so when, when I was in high school, uh, it actually kind of, uh, you know, stars aligned a little bit that my, uh, you know, the, the varsity coach, uh, his, his son was the JV coach and he actually moved on to another, you know, uh, his next journey in his career. So our varsity coach kind of took over both teams, but he, he didn't really have that much time. So he kind of asked me as, you know, a senior who knew his system uh, and also who knew the players really well to kind of be his assistant coach, you know, I actually ran uh, the tryouts in the first couple of weeks of practice when he wasn't able to come, which, you know, for me, when I was a 16 year old kid was just amazing experience, um, especially being able to coach kids that, um, you know, inherently I had their respect, you know, because I was, you know, playing with them on the court, you know, since they were little kids. Um, and that kind of opened my eyes that, you know, maybe coaching and scouting could be, you know, something that I'd be interested in. Um, then I started, I did uh, two years at Hofstra University studying finance. 
Um, uh, in addition, dur during that time, I took a sports management worldwide, uh, you know, basketball GM and scouting course, which actually uh, provided me a lot of value in that, um, you know, we went over video editing and, uh, you know, Ed Gregory, like, uh, was there on the chats, you know, for me as a, you know, 18 year old kid getting a chance to talk to, you know, pe people, Ed Gregory and Frank Burleson, who, you know, ha had experience, you know, I don't need to tell you when you're a kid, like having anybody willing to talk to you is just, uh, you know, not a foregone conclusion. Um, then after my, uh, sophomore year, I transferred to a school in Israel, IDC Herzliya. Um, you know, a few friends of mine from high school were going there. I had gone to winter to Israel for winter break uh, in college, and you know, it's kind of tough to be on the beach in Tel Aviv in December and then go back to have my car snowed in in Long Island. Yeah. Um, so kind of, uh, you know, went went out to Israel. Um, I started blogging about uh, NBA and uh, Israeli and European basketball. Uh, was really trying hard to get internships with any, you know, first division team in Israel. Was was getting no response. You know, I would show up to teams' offices, ask to speak to the GM, you know, not knowing their face. And now, having you know met the, these people, some of the GMs told me to my face that the GM's not there. <laughs> um, <laughs> that you know, I I had some funny stories and you know, to people who I worked with, I won't blast them. <laughs> um, but then, you know, like, uh, during my senior year, year, I, you know, just like stars aligned. I, I was sick. Like I went to the pharmacy to pick up uh, medicine and happened to be, you know, in line next to Dan Grunfeld and his, uh, now wife at the time, his, uh, fiance. And, you know, we spoke a little bit about when he was in the D league and that he was, uh, you know, playing in Bnei Herzliya in Israel. Um, and I, you know, mentioned to him that I have a blog. I gave him my website, told him just to check it out. And he did. And he showed it to the management of the team who at the time was looking for someone to write their English language website. And uh, next thing you know, the same guy from uh, Bnei Herzliya who I'd been emailing and trying to meet sent me an email asking me if I wanted to write their English language website. And, awesome. uh, you know, from there, really just one thing led to another. Once I got my foot in the door in the league, started meeting other coaches and meeting players and, and, you know, had that just almost, uh, you know, media tag of legitimacy that I was able to come into the gym and freely talk to people. That just kind of opened things up for me. Um, we had a really special team that year in Nash our own, you know, we had Lee Nalon who, you know, played, played many years in the NBA was a beast in Europe. Uh, Sean James, who you know, ended up playing in Maccabi Tel Aviv, Euroleague champion, um, Ron Steele, um, Brian Dunstan, who's, uh, had a fantastic early career. Um, and, you know, just me being a, a 21 year old kid, getting a chance to be around those guys on a regular basis. Uh, you know, those, those guys, also the Israeli players really kind of took me under their wing a little bit and, uh, you know, made me feel like I belonged, uh, which I think for a, a young coach is very important, you know, not just, um, you know, how you are with players, you know, when, when players give you like a love and respect, it, it really gives you a lot of confidence. So I, I really owe a lot to Dan Grunfeld and Sean James and the rest of those guys. Uh, you know, just the, the fact that they like uh, were receptive to things I was telling them re really made me like, uh, no, okay, maybe I should push this uh, thing a little bit further. Um, and, and yeah, that, that was basically my in, you know, I guess once, once I got in, like, uh, things, uh, kind of 
One thing led to another. We played against Maccabi Rishon Lezion in the playoffs. Uh, I kind of hit it off uh, with their coaching staff. And in the summer, when uh, Bnei Herzliya changed coaches, um, you know, I, I interviewed with Herzliya to be like a scout. Uh, basically, after like one or two months being in the team, when they realized in practice, like I had a voice and had some value, uh, had me, you know, uh, doing game film and, uh, you know, promoted me to being second assistant coach. Uh, and I started the, taking the coaching course in Israel. And, you know, so 10 years later, here I am. Man, yeah, that's awesome. Obviously, a lot of experience early on, which, which opened some doors for you in the future. But w- one thing that people don't talk about a lot, which we're going to get into later here, is, is, you know, like obviously the sacrifices that coaches have to make too. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But even early on for you, like it's, it's not easy to get your foot in the door in the coaching industry no matter what level you're at and so for you there was one year there where you had to work even in the finance industry for what you studied um you know doing something else while you tried to knock on those doors like what was that like and what ultimately made you kind of choose to do that simultaneously or like what what was your thought process and how you were going to get your opportunities well so first of all when i was transferring from hafsha to israel i uh worked in finance for eight months after I was transferring, I had already maximized the allotted uh, credit that was allowed to transfer. So I didn't, you know, uh, do the second semester that year. I worked like uh, from uh, winter break till the end of the summer. Um, And I saved up every cent of that knowing that after I'll graduate from college, most likely I'm going to have to work for either very cheap or free. If I have any prayer to, you know, get into professional basketball, um, you know, just from reading stories of like guys sleeping on people's couches, like uh, that, that, that's how it uh, usually is to, to get into the business. Uh, it was definitely not an easy decision, you know, not, not even just personally, you know, to convince my family and, and friends, you know, even people who believed in me, you know, like uh, that I had opportunities to go back to the States after I graduated and work in, you know, financial service jobs like uh, that are, you know, pretty uh, high paying. And instead of that, to work for free, working the same amount of hours, like uh, people don't realize, like if you're editing video for a basketball team, you're working uh, borderline Wall Street hours, staying up late, (laughs) like uh, that, and you're doing it for nothing. (laughs) So, you know, it was definitely not an easy decision. Um, But I mean, it's uh, led to some of the, you know, best and most fruitful moments of my life. I don't regret one minute of it. Um, and also obviously I had, uh, you know, payoffs that the, the, the team was happy with my work and hired me for the next season. Definitely. Um, but I, I would definitely say, you know, like that for, for people who were not like a professional player, if you're looking to get into coaching basketball or working at high level basketball, you can't be coming at it from a mindset of, okay, like, uh, this is how I'm going to get rich. Um, you have to know that like, uh, the the currency that you're getting is fulfilling your passion and your love for the game. Um, just because the, there's so few spots, like, uh, obviously, you know, every time I would tell somebody, Oh, I'm like a Jewish American guy living in Israel, coaching basketball, they'll say David Blatt. Um, but there is a huge discrepancy, like huge difference between a David Blatt who gets a million plus contract and me, <laughs> like, uh, and how many David Blatt's are there? One. So it's, 
definitely um, you know a, a decision that that people really need to take into consideration. You know, I, I get messages all the time, like I'm sure you do. Yeah, I want to coach overseas, like uh, that they think like uh, that it's going to be that it pays more than than college, and you're you're not correct mm-hmm. about that. <laughs> Yeah, for, for sure. And, and, you know, that's, I think, a testament to you. But like, if you want to work in this business in any capacity, there's going to be times, especially early on, where you have to invest in yourself and and maybe even work for free, for sure. And and that doesn't end early. You know, that you know, sometimes it happens 10 years into your career, too. Um, and so before we get into a couple of the topics, in like your new chapter, can, can you maybe give the audience just um, maybe like a 30,000 foot view of the Israeli market? I know that's tough to do in like, a, you know, a couple of minutes, but maybe even just like the first and second divisions on how it works as a professional, like the style of play, the types of types of players that are there. Well, I mean, you know, you're from New Jersey, so you, you should understand this. If you look at Israel from a 30,000 foot view, you won't see it. Israel is really small. Um, <laughs> this is very true. But- yeah, so so Israel, you know, it's uh, I, I personally think that it's a better league than it's given credit for, you know, compared to other European countries. You know, we got uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv, that's the you know Euroleague top Euroleague team. You know, they've had uh, inconsistent success in the new format of Euroleague, but I do think you know if we're going to look hindsight being twenty twenty, like uh, the, I, I do expect them to be a regular playoff team moving forward in the in, in the Euroleague. They just have a a great gym, great fans, like uh, going to a Maccabi Tel Aviv Euroleague game, obviously pre-corona, hopefully, you know, in the next year, um, I would say is, is could be even more of a crazy experience than going to an NBA game. Like uh, it's, fans are rabid, the environment, like uh, it's really nothing like, for me at least, you know, being in a Euroleague, any, any Euroleague team, a packed, like important Euroleague game. Um. And then in the first division, you know, each team has uh, either four foreigners or five foreigners, and you can pay a fine to have the fifth. Um, you know, obviously, a team like Maccabi or Hapol Jerusalem, who also is a pretty big team, you know, had a Mark Stoudemire on their team for a few years. Um, they'll sometimes have more than five foreigners and choose who to pick uh, per game. But for the most part, most teams have four. Um, I would say the typical player pool for first division teams are guys who are, you know, G League guys, NBA draft picks that slipped through the cracks, like uh, guys who played, uh, you know, were rookies that came out to Europe and played like second division Italy or played in, uh, you know, Italy, France, Spain, uh, Russia, Turkey, um, that were in that same market. And I would say Israel, um, we have, um, you know, most teams outside of Maccabi and Jerusalem don't have the capability to play, pay players, maybe let's say like a top team in Italy or a top team in Turkey. Um, but Americans typically have a good opportunity in Israel and, you know, get, get a good portion of the possessions. Uh, our basketball style is a little bit more similar to American style than to European style. So we're a lot of times a good stop. You know, you'll see sometimes guys who were, you know, NBA draft picks who had offers from bigger clubs and Israeli teams who choose on purpose to play in Israel for slightly less money, knowing that, you know, Israeli league has a reputation throughout Europe of like guys making huge jumps. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll see like a Will Clyburn, like come to Israel and a year or two later, it'll be like top Euroleague. You'll see Brian Dunstan come to Israel and a year or two later, it'll be top Euroleague. Um, and I think that's like less of like flukes and more of a trend. Um, so I would say you know, that that's a, a pretty 
um, a pretty good use, useful recruiting tool. You know, I think for, for myself, you know, who for 10 years have been trying to convince foreigners to come uh, play for my Israeli teams, you know, it's a big credit to like guys who come out there who've like, uh, you know, did well there and then have gone on and done well elsewhere. That, that's what makes a lot of guys want to come. Mm-hmm. Um, second division, uh, teams are allowed to have two foreigners. Um, you know, a little, it used to be more rookies. Now it's a little bit more guys who are 26, 27, 28. Um, and again, second division. So that means you got two foreigners. They're going to play the whole game. They're going to get, you know, get, get stats like, uh, and, and also like, uh, you know, second division, we've had a lot of guys, uh, Eric McCollum played second division and he ended up going top Europe, like, uh, played in China. Uh, we've had a lot of examples, you know, if you look through the years of guys who played, Mike James actually started in the second division. Uh, and it was pretty cool actually watching Mike James in, in the Nets in the playoffs. And uh, I'm not going to say his name, but I, me and another uh, assistant coach came and brought his name to, uh, to a team in Israel in the first division. He told us to get out of his office with this second division BS. Um, I love those stories, man. Love them. And, uh, you know, now maybe we could bring him back to that team as an owner. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. He'll be, he'll be telling the GM that his job's taken now. <laughs> That's great. That's great, man. No, I think that was, a, I think that was a great, uh, just a great summary of, of, you know, the, the, the style of play and just the, the overall view of the Israeli market, because a lot of guys, especially that, you know, maybe some American listeners here that are aspiring pros, you know, we, we just try to educate them because obviously it's very different than just saying, yeah, I'm going to go play college basketball. You know, if you're going to play overseas basketball, that could mean one of a million different paths. Um, and so outside of the first and second division, there's obviously uh, many more divisions, which could be a great transition into the, the new, the recently new chapter, newly appointed head coach of Inter Aliyah. So why don't you tell, tell people a little bit about the new opportunity, about the team and, and, and what's, uh, what's in store for this year? Yeah, so I'm actually very excited. Uh, we, we just agreed yesterday for me to be the head coach of what's going to be the inaugural season for Inter Aliyah. That they have uh, up until now been a soccer club that's been playing at the, you know, they just started uh, playing in the fifth division in Israeli soccer. Um, that for those of you who don't know, uh, Aliyah is the Hebrew term for, you know, uh, coming and moving to Israel. Um, and you know, there's a little bit of a gap in the market in Israel for foreigners. You know, that Israel's a young country, only was established in 1948. So there's still like a high rate of the population is new immigrants. And I, I could say for me, you know, that I grew up playing high school in the States, that, you know, I see like my colleagues in Israel that they grew up in Maccabi Tel Aviv, or they grew up in Hapol Tel Aviv, or they grew up in, you know, Maccabi Haifa, or one of these big clubs. Um... And me as an American, you know, okay, some of the teams that I worked in as a coach, like, uh, yeah, I try to kind of have that feeling like, you know, I'm close with the people who are around the team, but it's not the same like if you grew up somewhere. And um, their kind of uh, motto is to establish a club on the soccer side, you know, for, you know, both, uh, you know, those like uh, Jewish people abroad and also those who, uh, you know, made Aliyah to have their, their own team that they can feel that they identify with. Um, they, in addition to that, have, you know, like uh, intramural soccer and basketball that they're trying, you know, to make this to be a club that can bring uh, Olim, which is the Hebrew term for those who have made Aliyah, uh, to bring us together like uh, as part of our community. 
And this coming season, they're uh, opening an expansion team in the fifth division Israeli league uh, basketball, which is, uh, you know, for, for those who don't know, like uh, overseas, all these leagues are connected. So you start in the fifth division. If you win the league, you win your division, you move up to the fourth division. You win the fourth, you move up to the third, uh, third up to the second, all the way to get to the first. And you even have some teams, Ironina Siona, that I was with uh, two years ago, that they, uh, they we, you know, we made it to the final four of the Israeli State Cup. We were playing in Europe. This year, they won the FIBA Europe Cup. They were the champions. Less than 20 years ago, they started in the fifth division. Um, that they're, you know, a smaller city next to Rishon Lezion. Um, so for me, I'm very excited as someone who's made Aliyah who's an American Jew, who's extremely passionate about Israeli basketball. I think I can be, you know, a bridge between the, uh, you know, immigrant community and the Israeli basketball community. And, you know, I'm excited to be a part of something that, you know, hopefully, you know, 10, 20, 30 years down the line can be a, a, a you know, a, a force in Israel, a big club, like uh, to kind of have my foot in at the ground door, the, my, my foot in at the beginning. Mm -hmm. kind of establish a culture of uh you know basketball for Olim in israel that's amazing I, I don't think they could have picked a better guy to, to to lead that lead that new uh new journey and so with that league i mean obviously every country is different in terms of like the uh the import rules and the ages when you go down division so for the fifth division is this going to be more of like a development project are there going to be you know are you going to be allowed to have a certain amount of um of imports to come in from outside of Israel, or is it all going to be strictly like developing those who have made Aliyah and then to move the team up? Yeah, so to my understanding, uh, and also obviously, you know, like I just agreed to the team yesterday. Yeah. So, you know, we're an expansion team. We're going to be figuring things out, you know, the For first sure. year, as much as, you know, like uh, we are, our intention is to win every single game. Um, but it's obviously going to be a learning experience. Uh, as far as I know, um, you know, we're not allowed to have foreigners on the team other than I believe that there's an exemption for people who have studied for two years in Israel uh, that have been a part of like the official education system. Um, but our team will be mostly comprised, like uh, will, will be comprised of those who have uh, made Aliyah or whose parents made Aliyah or Israelis who spent, you know, a good portion of their, uh, you know, childhood abroad. Um, I would say just you know, in the spirit of the team, that's kind of how we'll be like in the first year or two. I'd say long term, our intention is to be you know, integrated into Israeli society. Um, so you know, I'm not going to say any blanket statements, you know, like uh, I'm not going to only take Olim. Obviously, like uh, if there will be like, good opportunities, our ears are open. I actually find it quite frustrating in Israel. I mean, and you might know this because I know Evan Conti, who, uh, you know, is uh, your college teammate. He was a naturalized citizen in Israel. Mm -hmm. uh, so you might have just kind of heard the rumblings of, uh, you know, in the top leagues, the Israeli players are, you know, have, giving a little bit of pushback that in Israel, if you are Jewish, if you have at least one Jewish grandparent, you are eligible to get an Israeli citizenship. Um, so we have in the top league, you know, if you're a good college basketball in America and you're Jewish, you, you have a chance to play professional basketball in Israel. And, you know, I actually find it to be very frustrating. Um, I, I've gotten to some arguments with the head of the Israeli Players Association 
that I personally view, and not even I personally view, the law of Israel views that you know a- any person who makes Aliyah is an equal Israeli citizen to anyone. Um, and you know, I-, I feel bad almost like for the Israeli players that you know they grow up and they work hard and they develop, and then they have to have mandatory army experience when they're you know in their teens. Then you have these Americans who like go to college and have like a like a pampered, spoon-fed like uh, experience, and then they get to just come to Israel and take their spot like uh, on the uh, on the drop of a dime. Um, but you know that's just really like a, a drop in the bucket on a bigger issue that you know Israel is a country that has you know in its founding that it's a place for. You know, any Jew who wants to live in Israel should be like uh, able to come live there and feel free, like they're a part of the country um, at any time. So I, I think uh, a big part of our role, you know, in Inter Aliyah is going to be almost uh, on, on the one hand to help to give Olim a good experience uh, and to, to kind of give us a, a home in Israeli basketball. But then on another hand, to kind of show to the Israeli players and to the Israeli like society that us as Olim, like uh, we're not a gimmick, like we're here to stay. So we obviously learned a lot about Inter Aliyah and, uh, and the exciting projects that you have going on ahead of you. But one thing I want to do is pause and go back in time before you got this, because one topic not a lot of people talked about that we briefly touched on in the beginning is like sacrifices that coaches have to make. Obviously, people talk about players and sometimes agents, but like most people don't realize that coaches have to make just as many sacrifices. So last year you found yourself out of a job. And so I think it would be beneficial for a lot of people listening to hear what you had to go through and the sacrifices you made for yourself and your family in order to get to, you know, back in the mix. So can you talk about that process? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, obviously, like I mentioned before, you know, I grinded it out working for free, like in order to, you know, get myself to a point where I can coach 10 years uh, as an assistant in the top division in Israel. Uh, you know, even had, uh, you know, some years where I was coaching in teams that played in Europe as a lead assistant coach, um, you know, in Maccabi, I was, uh, you know, working in the youth department and for the second half of the season was a, uh, you know, behind the bench assistant coach, um, you know, at the, you know, EuroLeague and Israeli champion level. Uh, the following year, you know, I was with the Ronin Nesiona, like I, we mentioned before, um, where, you know, we were having a fantastic season, you know, with Jeff Withy, Daquan Cook, uh, Corey Fisher. Uh, we brought J.P. Tokido in the middle of the season. Like, uh, I was looking like we can maybe, you know, uh, make a run for the team's first uh, Final Four in club history. And then, uh, like everyone, you know, like uh, coronavirus showed up. There was that Rudy Gobert moment. And then uh, basketball got canceled everywhere. Um, and, you know, my wife actually was uh, pregnant at the time with my son, Danny. Um and actually, while I was, uh, you know, in the delivery room uh, waiting uh, for my son to be born was when they announced that the league was coming back. And, you know, uh, now with hindsight being 2020, you know, like, uh, like for young and healthy people, the coronavirus turned out to be, um, you know, a little bit less. Obviously, you know, everybody needs to follow all the rules and uh, do whatever they can to protect those who uh, are at risk. But you know, at the time, you know, just seeing how intense everything was in the hospital, you know, in Israel, we had no bubble, you know, when they uh, did the restart from coronavirus and, uh, you know, being in a high risk unit of, uh, you know, pregnancy ward, you know, was uh, 
wasn't really in the frame of mind to come back for six weeks and, you know, put myself at risk and my, my wife and my kids, uh, my, my newborn at risk. Um, if I maybe would have had the, the data in May of 2020, June of 2020, like I have now in uh, you know, June of 2021, maybe my decision would be, would be different. Um, so I opted out of the restart with Nestiona. Um, you know, and my, my mentality was at the time that, okay, it's only six weeks, um, you know, to kind of put my family first. I've, I've really done what I felt was uh, enough to, you know, establish that, you know, I, I had great contacts in almost every team that I thought I wouldn't have a problem, you know, either, you know, getting back with Nestiona for the next season or, uh, you know, getting another job. I was, I was even fishing for maybe an opportunity to be a head coach in the second division. Um, and then, you know, the summer came and uh, teams tightened their budget, you know, teams that had two assistant coaches the following year only went back to having one. Um, and, you know, a lot of teams, you know, did and, and rightfully so give equity to those who did come back in the restart. Um, and I kind of felt my, found myself squeezed out. Uh, really was, you know, it, try, trying to find any team that would take me and, uh, you know, I'm sure it's uh, it's a thing, you know, like you, you read about basketball coaches, it happens to them all the time of, you know, guys having to sit out a year, two years, three years until they get their next opportunity. And, you know, it's one thing if you're, you know, a 50-year-old ex-Euroleague player that's, you know, had six-figure contracts year after year after year for you to take, you know, some time off and, you know, enjoy your time with your family. And it's another thing if you're a 32-year-old new father, like for your second kid, just be out. Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess once the realization kicked in that I'm uh, out for the 2020, 2021 season, um, you know, made, uh, you know, it turns out that my finance degree wasn't just a useless piece of paper. Um, I, you know, ha had to make a, a really tough decision. Um, I actually lived away from, uh, you know, my wife and, uh, kids for almost uh, half a year, went back to California working in finance um actually was uh you know working in the ppp the payment protection program like uh i'm also now uh originating commercial real estate loans but you know which is the main function of my job but you know during the the company i'm working at we do uh government-backed loans so you know we were involved in the ppp program so you're just me who's been like involved in player development over the years to kind of uh you know, really directly translated to during the coronavirus, helping small businesses and sole proprietors uh, keep themselves afloat during the pandemic. Especially for me, you know, like that, me personally, my career was kind of uh, in jeopardy and in peril from uh, the coronavirus. Like I was able to relate to a lot of these borrowers um, and it kind of gave me like that uh, push to be working, you know, 60, 70, 80 hour weeks. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it was definitely not easy. Um, the, I'm still working at Harvest, um, and I will be continuing to work at Harvest, you know, through the coming year. Um, but yes, it's, uh, it, it's definitely a realization that I came to, you know, now, even after the season finished, you know, I've been doing some, uh, you know, podcasts, uh, with the sports rabbi, uh, covering Israeli basketball, covering the playoffs, uh, covering, uh, you know, even NBA a little bit. Um, but it's, it's something that. You know, uh, I, I had been looking for a job this year in the first division. Um, you know, I had some pretty good feedback initially. Uh, some coaching hires went in different directions that, uh, you know, didn't work out for me for the best. 
you know, like uh, just like many other players, uh, coulda, shoulda, woulda, you know, like the, for a draft pick, if the guy, you know, this pick would have been different, you would have been picked in mm-hmm. that team, you know, kind of got squeezed out in the same, uh, same manner. And you know, I had so, some other opportunities uh, fishing out and I kind of felt like, uh, you know, after just the last year and a half that I've been through, um, you know, be, being out that, you know, having been an assistant coach for so long and only really having been a head coach at the youth level, a uh, chance to really go, even if it's at the, the fifth division, to be a part of a team that I really, you know, have like an emotional attachment to, you know, like that's something that I believe in uh, and getting a chance to, to really get back to the basics and, uh, you know, build back from the beginning, uh, get my hands dirty. Uh, I think uh, that's, that's kind of where my, my head is at now. And I, I think, you know, you see a lot of times, you know, players uh, will finish their careers. You know, I'm, I'm only 32, so I'm pretty much at the same age, even younger than some players who are retiring and just starting to coach. So, you know, I have uh, – it, it was something where maybe if you would have asked me two or three years ago and I was sitting on the bench, like, uh, with, you know, Hall of Fame-level Israeli coaches and, you know, national team players and ex-NBA players out there, fifth division, you know, like uh, – but I think now I've kind of uh, – I you know, have a different perspective in that, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, to, to build yourself back up, like uh, you just got to be willing to take your ego, put it at the side. And, uh, you know, I, I've done it before and I'm uh, more than happy to, to do it again. That, uh, you know, sometimes if things don't go your way, you got to make it go your way. So, you know, for, for now, like uh, my goal like, to get back to the top leagues is to try to build a club to, to move them up to the top leagues. And hopefully uh, that journey will lead both me and the club to, you know, some, some big, big moments. And uh, it's, it's, it's one thing, you know, for me, I've never really been in this for the money or for the fame. Like uh, just, uh, I'll be honest, after being, uh, you know, not coaching uh, for aside from, you know, working out with players here and there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to get back in the gym, get back with players, get back to doing what I love to do. No, that's great, man. I, I definitely wanted people to hear that because, uh, you know, I, I've been able to, you know, been lucky enough to know you. I just kind of see the front row seat of, you know, the ups and downs of, of, of coaching journeys and yours, yours as well of you just, you know, having to sacrifice so much to get back to where you want to be. And it's been cool to watch. And, you know, I'm a big believer that one door closes another will open and, you know, things are meant to be. And, you know, I think this, this new project, you're going to do amazing things and take them to, you know, not, not only where the club wants to be, but impact a lot of, a lot of the younger generation and, and, and hopefully, you know, more of Israel, um, you know, as you build it up. So I'm excited for you, man. So I know we've, we've talked about so many different topics here. One of the last main questions I have for you, and, and I know this is also difficult to, to answer in a couple of minutes here, but what changes do you hope to see in the future of Israeli basketball? I mean, how would you potentially um, take what it is now and improve it for the better for the years to come? I mean, first of all, I think, uh, and it's hard to say this because, you know, there's a big balance of, you know, bringing foreign players and uh, top talent. Yeah. I think you see Denny Avdia, you see Yamadar. Uh, there's this young kid that you, if you're listening to this, you should look up uh, Noam Dovrat, Maccabi Rishon, who I think has a chance to be an NBA player. You got Yovel Zusman, who is in uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv. Um, and our, you know, under 20 national teams have won the European Championship. Our under 18 team uh, is in the top uh, division in the European uh, Championships. There is a lot of really good young players in Israel. And especially when I worked in the youth department in Maccabi Tel Aviv, I, I was able to see that 
You know, this past uh, decade, the, the work ethic of the young Israeli player is phenomenal. They, they have great work ethic, great talent. Um, that I would like to see more young players get opportunities. Um, I think you've seen that there are a few Israeli players who gotten a chance to play abroad. Um, and, you know, I think uh, the, it can be, I, I would like to see a snowball effect of, of us giving more young players opportunities in the league, which will lead to them getting jobs outside of Israel, which will in turn give more room for the next group, like to get playing time that, mm -hmm. you know, that's uh you have a lot of times that the Israeli Players Association is looking for ways to, you know, change the rules of like uh, foreign players or to change the rules of naturalized players to kind of give more room for the Israeli players. They don't realize that the best way for them to give more opportunity for the Israeli players is for the Israeli players to knock the cover off the ball, have MVP type seasons like Iftak Ziv had, sign in Spain, France, Italy. Um, and then them like uh, not being in the league will add a spot for the next young up and coming Israeli player. So I would really like to see, you know, these, these young Israeli players get more opportunity um, because I mean, the, there's pr the, the proof is in the pudding. You know, if, if these guys in the under 18 and under 20 national teams are able to compete with, you know, the, the top uh, European national teams, they're definitely good enough to play in the Israeli league. And they're definitely good enough to play in these other leagues as well. Mm -hmm. So I, I would like to see, you know, more household names. Um, you know, I, I see one thing you got to give a lot of credit to Maccabi Tel Aviv's youth department is the, the level that they work, you know, not just that they produce players, uh, they put pressure on the rest of the country that, okay, they have practices in the morning with their academy. So other teams have to put practices in the morning with their academy or else players are, you know, their best player will leave to Maccabi. You know, they will go and be a backup instead of being their best player, the star of their team. Um, so I think, you know, you've seen a, a kind of effect of, you know, Maccabi impacting the entire country to kind of improve player development and uh, improve just like a quality and standard of training, uh, more hours in the gym, better facilities. So I, I would like to see, like, uh, you know, I, I give a lot of credit to Penny Gershon, who's a uh, you know, Euroleague legend, uh, Maccabi legendary coach, that he's the head of the Israeli Basketball Federation. I give him a lot of credit to the, the player development, but I want to see more. I, I, I'm, I'm hungry for more. I love it, man. I love it. Well, this has been, uh, this has definitely been amazing. I know some of the listeners, uh, hopefully they're taking notes because they learned a lot. Um, before we officially wrap up, I know you've listened to a couple episodes, so I don't know if you're prepared for this or not, but I have the sports business lightning round and I'm going to fire a handful of questions at you. You just got to hit me with the first answer that comes to your mind. Cool. Favorite color? Blue. Most points you've ever scored in a game in your life? That does. Does like a camp game count? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, it's uh, I'd say at uh, Nick's basketball camp in uh, eighth grade, I scored forty points in a double overtime game. Let's go! I love it. Pizza or pasta? Pizza. MJ or LeBron? MJ. One of the coolest cities in the world that you've been to? Outside of Tel Aviv, I'd have to say Barcelona. Mm, agreed. You can't go with the hometown. <laughs> For sure, for sure. But it's also another great city. What is something that you're really bad at? Um, soccer. What is one of your biggest strengths? Um, writing. Mm. Who are three people that have helped you tremendously in your life? Um, 
my wife, my wife and my parents. <laughs> Easy. Love it. Love it. What was your first ever job? Um, do you count babysitting in eighth grade? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> if you could have a superpower, what would it be? Uh, instant teleportation. And a couple more here. If you could trade jobs with anyone in any industry for one week to live life in their shoes, who would that person be? Um, should it be GM of the Knicks? Mm, that's a good one. And last one, if you could turn back time and talk to 18-year-old AJ, what would you tell him? Uh, I need a, I need a couple minutes to prepare. But I, you know, I, I, I honestly, I would say this, you know, like uh, when, when I was, uh, you know, 17, it's, I think 17 is a better age for me. Cause you know, I graduated young from high school. Uh, I, I say in hindsight, I would try and push to be walk on level player at a D three college. Like uh, mm-hmm. I, I'd say, um, you know, once you kind of hang up playing seriously, you can't really ever go back to it. And, uh, you know, now just like, I uh, look at like my most fun memories of like my life as a playing basketball with my friends at a, in a serious competitive level. And uh, just like the opportunity to continue to do that is something special. And I would have tried to milk a couple more years doing that. That's, that's great advice, man. I tell some, some guys now, even in college or even as a pro, like if you love the game, keep going because once you stop playing it, it's really hard to get back into it. So some great advice, man. Well, this was awesome. Again, I appreciate you coming on here, man. It's been great to, to get to know you better over the years and hopefully soon here, I'm going to have to come to uh, I'm going to have to, you got to send me a schedule. I'm going to have to come to an inter Alia game coming up this season. Yeah. Lo- love to have you. You know, we got uh, you know, some, some good sponsors, Wix, Nefesh, but Nefesh is, uh, is with us. Mm. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to be doing some big things and, you know, hopefully when we'll be at the top leagues, you know, you'll, uh, you'll be sending us some players. I love it. I love it, man. Well, I appreciate you. Have an awesome day. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, Kevin. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me if you could give it a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're feeling really crazy, you can even share it on social media. As always, if there's a topic you want me to talk about further or a guest you would love to hear on the podcast, just shoot me a message on social media at Kevin Tarka. Thanks again, and I'll see you here tomorrow morning on Sports Business Secrets.